Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 134 at Edmonton. Just as a matter of interest, we'll tell you this. 50 years, that's right, 50 years for Royal Pizza. Still making it great where the Stoffer recommendation is Mediterranean chicken. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for 50 years. For menu and their 14 locations in Edmonton and surrounding areas, visit royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Uh, Brendan, it's okay if we get them, we get them. If we don't, Mark's doing it. Mark's here anyway, so he can help get us through the next uh, half hour. Again, you can text us at 630-630. This text comes in from Cactus Jack. I believe you know Cactus Jack. He says, Bob, the show is called Oilers now. Talk hockey, please. Who's going to be the backup goaltender next season in Bakersfield? We need to know that question. Well, it's going to be Shane Strat's going to be the starter, and it's going to be one of Stuart Skinner or Dylan Wells. That's that's an obvious. I'm, I'm surprised. Yeah, turn your mic on. There you go. In Bakersfield. In Bakersfield. So, how important is the backup goalie going to be at Edmonton? The Oilers. It's going to be pretty important. I want to know who the backup's going to be when they sign a new guy. <laughs> Let's wait and see. Yeah, that's fair. You know, I'd say with Koskinen, I think the decreased workload is going to help him out a lot. You'd hope so. And I think that was a misread on the previous regime's part. The you know now they went and got Koskinen, and then they need I, another goalie that's as ta- good as Koskinen. Ta- Talbot got worn down. Take a look at the caliber of goals that were scored yep. by Anaheim in that series. I mean, the, the was it the fourth? Remember when they came back from three nothing down on home yep. ice against Anaheim after winning the first two games, and was it? Uh, Wagner, Wagner, who scored from like the, I mean, I don't know, he would have been down the right wing off the half boards, and he got one past Talbot. That goal can't go in if your team's going to make the Stanley Cup playoffs. <laughs> okay, let's go to Boston. We got Hags yet? Uh, not yet. Uh, you can text us at six thirty, six thirty. Craig has texted the show to say, Bob, if you told Connor he had to sit out fifteen games, he'd probably ask for a trade. Uh, this text out of Calgary, no matter how good the Raptors do at basketball, it's still the most boring sport in the history of sports. Are you? Are, I'm sorry, basketball is a lot of things. It ain't the most boring sport in the history of sports. I really found, as a guy that has always watched some basketball, but not intently like, like we are now, I found the dichotomy between hockey and basketball very interesting, Bob. The players are completely different. In hockey, if you don't like a ref's call, you don't skate around yapping and yapping and yapping and throwing your hands in the air and showing that you're frustrated, right? In hockey, you hold your frustration in. Some guys say, hey, watch. But you're supposed to. In the 80s, watch Mark Messi and but Wayne Gretzky. But it's not Gretzky. the 80s anymore. Now, the deal is don't bang your stick after you miss yeah, the net. Yeah, because the refs are glass. a bunch of, the guys that you protect, they're all a no, bunch of hot. The thing in hockey is don't show the other team you're frustrated. Basketball, they don't care. They're yapping. They're How about yelling. Draymond Green last night? Draymond Green takes a technical. Like, it's just different. The, they're showing off in the warm-ups before the game. Even They never do that in hockey. It's Bob, awesome. Anthony Bennett was the number one pick that went to Cleveland with that was uh, a bust, uh, and it's R.J. Barrett. What did, what did I say? Did I? You might have said T.J. Barrett. Did I? Or okay. So, uh, and we have the Twitter. Uh, we'll bring Brendan Escott in here for a second. 
Uh, Brendan, you have been following and monitoring the uh, Twitter Twitter thing. Uh, where are we at uh, in our vote so far? So the options were A, keep Lucic, uh, B, trade him for, I don't know how you... Neil. Neil, and then where are we at between the three? Yeah, so it was just which of these players would you most like to see on the Oilers next season? 25% saying Milan Lucic, 16% saying Louis Erickson, and uh, 59% is saying James Neal. That doesn't really surprise me. Wow. Not much. Well, listen, this is a team that's that's looking for scoring wingers, and that's what... The guy's had 10, 20 goal seasons. He has been a scoring winger. Until so. uh, the King of the North, a.k.a. By the way, is... Uh, so, uh, speaking of the King of the North, the, yeah. the whole ad that uh, Kawhi did, that uh, the King... Do you think he remains the King of the North? Do you think he oh, stays? Does he stay? I don't know, Bob. Come on, you don't. You're not hot po- clue. You don't have a hot clue. Hot, not a hot. Don't all the basketball players phone each other after the season ends? It goes okay. Where are we all signing this year? Yeah, isn't that how it works? Like that. That means he's going somewhere. Isn't Clay Thompson a free agent as well? I think. I don't know. Aren't the Lakers lousy and need a bunch of superstars? Don't they all just go there? Well, there was one that went there. Was that a long-term brand uh, decision just, no, made? He, no, he's going to start bringing him in. He's like a magnet. Is he? Yep. Like he was when he went to Miami to be on Dwayne Wade's team. Yeah, right. I don't know. Look, for the record, I would strongly suggest that LeBron James, if not being the greatest player, is no worse than the second best player in NBA. Like, it's either him or Michael Jordan, so take your pick. Yeah, now, could a Kawhi and him exist on the same team? I don't know. Yeah. You know what? Basketball's a funny game. I kind of like the composure that... Kawhi has oh, like he's, he's a cool cat, <laughs> a cool cat. Like he's he's as understated as I get. Brandon, if he doesn't want to pick up the phone, don't worry about it. If he calls us, he calls. Spec, you're now filling for the final 20 minutes of the show. Texas 6:30, 6:30. Bob, how about option uh, D, Lucic and Bear, and a third rounder for Brandon Sutter? And that's where I was going to King of the North. I don't know, maybe it's the same guy here. Uh, King of the North tweeted an RCN saying Brandon Sutter. Could you get Brandon's? The problem with Brandon Sutter is he's always hurt. He's been hurt a lot. Like I, yes, he's a center. I I just. I wonder if uh, how do you, how do you get that third line right shot center? It's it's always hard to trade for a player that's been hurt all the time. Yeah, because you always say to yourself, "Well, you know, I really like us our lineup with him in it." Yeah, but what am I going to do for the? Well, the Raptors games? traded for a guy that played like fifteen games the year before. Well, it doesn't. Yeah, it takes. You know what? You have to like. Why would he? There's two things here, Bob. If Sutter has got the same injury that they can't solve, well, then yeah. you don't touch him. If he keeps getting different injuries, you can take a risk and say, you know what, he's going to join us and they're going to stop. Okay. Uh, try calling our man now. He's ready to go. He was just posting something, I guess. Apparently Doug Armstrong had a little uh, was a little feisty today. Yeah, he was the... yelling at the ice crew in Boston to get to work because he thought the pra- they were standing around in the St. Louis practice. Now, that is coming. a place where, you know, they'll tell you to screw off back. There's always kind of... Boston practice. and Philadelphia are the yeah. two U.S. cities. Hey, we were in San Jose when they didn't have the lights yeah. on before the Oilers practice, so they couldn't go out early. Yeah, that's Mickey Mouse BS. I'm sorry. But that, that is, goes on in the National Hockey Yeah, that's unfortunate that there's organizations that do that. Oh, we Come were, on, man. We were in uh, Denver when they pushed the bench so close to the boards that you could barely change in the fly, yeah. and then 
then what did Sather do when they got back to Edmonton? <laughs> exact same thing to their bench. And took the uh, took the what what slats used to do back in the eighties. Only serve decaf coffee. Only serve decaf coffee. Well, one guy that doesn't need any because uh, he has this coffee spike. Being a uh, uh, you know a, a guy with the last name Haggerty out of Boston and hacks with Hags, one of the most uh, popular follows for Oilers fans or not. But anyways, we digress. About ready to join another championship, Joe. We got Mark Spector with us as well, so the show keeps getting better. How you doing, Mark? How you doing, Joe? <laughs> Wow, this is a high-powered show going on right now. Oh, yeah, What's there's up? lots of money bl- being blown on this show. <laughs> uh, so what's the mood like uh, in Beantown right now? Uh, I mean, it's it's excited for sure. It's expect, expect, yeah, easy for me to say expect, expectant, I think, you know, based on all the winning uh, that has been going on here the last, uh, what, decade, two decades. I mean, I, I, you know, at this point, I, I think, Boston fans expect greatness and expect good things to happen. So there's a lot of anticipation. Um, you know, it's been a it's been an interesting series. It's been an entertaining series. I think there's you know some bad blood now and some ill will. So I think that's part of it too. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I think there's also some curiosity uh, just based on how the series has played out. How momentum hasn't really carried over from game to game. How each team has, you know, lost some games on home ice. How it seems like stylistically, the games have been very different. There has been a, a ton of common themes uh, throughout every single game, a thread that's going through every single game. So I think there's a little bit of curiosity too as, as to how things are going to play out uh, in Game Seven. But you know, you can imagine anytime there's a, a, a Game Seven of anything, there's excitement, and the fact that there's never ever been a Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final in a building in Boston uh, for the Boston Bruins, a hockey game, uh, is going to make it off the charts and make it, uh, I think, a very difficult place for the St. Louis Blues to play. You just listed a, a bunch of elements that perfectly describe, Joe, two teams that are just as good as each other, right? Nobody can hold momentum. Why is that? Because the minute your team gets it, my team steals it away. No one can, can win on home ice consistently because they're both really good road teams. Is there one thing, man, is there one thing, element, position, uh, group of players that, say, Boston has that if they do it, they're going to beat St. Louis or vice versa? Is there a linchpin in Game 7 that if one team can can execute it, the other team doesn't have an answer? Yep. Uh, goaltending. I think that's it. I mean, I think that's what it's going to come down to in, in Game 7. I think it's better. Yeah, I think Tuka Rask is better. He's more experienced. He's been there before. Uh, and I think he's on a mission to win this year and, and kind of, you know, shut people like me up that have been critical of him in the past, uh, you know, about not being a big game goaltender, about, you know, righting the wrong of 2013 where, where the, the Bruins didn't win and they came pretty close uh, and didn't win. And I, I think there's been enough times in this series where I think Bennington has looked uh, shaky and he's given up uh, bad goals. And, you know, I, I, obviously, the defense in front of him is extremely good, and I think that's a big part of the story. And, you know, St. Louis is physical, and at times they've worn down the Bruins, it seems like to me, in this series. Certainly they've dominated puck possession a lot, especially when they get it in the offensive zone. And, and they are equal, coming from different places, different strengths, but I, I, it's a strength versus strength kind of matchup. But I think it's been really interesting to see how it's played out. But the one glaring difference I think I see between these two teams when it comes to uh, crunch time uh, in a Game 7 situation is just that 
Tuca's just flat out a better goaltender, and he's I think he's better prepared for this moment. And I do think we started to see some moments both with Jordan Bennington and with other members of the St. Louis Blues in Game 6 in home uh, with them having a chance to, to win the Cup on home ice. It seemed to me I saw some elements of uh, the first time the Blues kind of looked around and said, hey, wait a minute, we, we're going to win this thing. Like, you know, the, the, it started to feel the gravity of the game, the gravity of the situation and, and the pressure and, and started to go away from some things that they've done in the past. So, uh, you know, that may play in, out into it a uh, Game 7 as well, just given, you know, how experienced the Bruins are going into this. They've been through this situation before, you know, multiple times, some of them. Um, and, and I think are very prepared uh, for what they're, they're going to have to do to go into battle tomorrow night. I, I totally agree with you, Joe, on the goaltending spec. We discussed that earlier in the show. Um, I've not brought this up on the air. St. Louis loses momentum on their power play. And that, yeah. in part to me, is inexperience in coaching. Okay. They have a three man staff, I guess four if you include Larry Robinson, but he is not a tactical guy. Craig Berube, no one would call him a tactician. And then they've got Van Ryan and Steve Ott, who are both really inexperienced coaches. They don't have a career technical assistant that's uh, a special team specialist. Uh, and I personally believe you can't lose momentum when you get power plays. And if you take a look at the Blues, one criticism I'd have of them is they've lost. They've, they've been a terrific five-on-five team. But I think Boston's got a clear advantage when they get the extra man. No doubt. Yeah, special teams-wise, I think it's been like that in the series, too, obviously. And, and throughout the, the postseason, when the Bruins get into a special teams battle with another team, they win. And it's, it tilts in their favor. And, you know, as, as you mentioned, obviously they've struggled mightily uh, on the power play. The Blues have, you know, some of that is about their coaching. Some of that is about the Bruins' penalty kill. Um, you know, and, and that was why it was so important to have Zdeno Chara and not miss any time and come back. Uh, as he was able to from the broken jaw. Uh, but this has been, you know, part of the, the uh, story playing out in the series, right? And, and I wrote a column about this a few days ago that it feels to me, and it has at times, it's felt very odd watching the series play out because it feels like the reverse of 2011, where in some ways the Bruins have become the Vancouver Canucks where they want special teams, they want speed, they want skill, they kind of get knocked around at times a little bit by the Blues, and the Blues have become the 2011 Boston Bruins, big, bad, strong, intimidating, you know, are going to punch you in the mouth, are going to try to wear you down five on five with puck possession and strength and, you know, cycle game and all that stuff. And, you know, it's been stunning to me to think in eight years how much uh, the way the Bruins win has changed and just their personnel has changed, and, and just totally the way they go about business has uh, completely changed. And, and I, I think, you know, it plays right into the power play stuff that you're talking about. So let's expand on this a little bit, right? The, the, we're all, everybody outside of the Boston, you know, GTA is sick of watching the Patriots win all the time. In fact, many people <laughs> would say there's almost a special set of, of rules, particularly on video replay, that whatever favors Tom Brady is what we're doing today. Uh, <laughs> I know that's not true, but that is the perception. There, you know what? The Red Sox, I don't think anyone minds the Red Sox that much, but they do win a lot. They're really good. So mm-hmm. when the Bruins get a bad call against them and complain about it, 
The rest of the sporting world goes, oh, shut Mark, up. that was a horrendous non-call. Just shut up. It, co- you, you it cost them the game. <laughs> it cost them game five. Okay, like, okay, I'm not okay. even a Bruins fan. They got screwed in Whatever. game five. They did get screwed. There's no doubt about that. But anyway, the point would be this. Does it feel like it's Boston? Like, do the Bruins get a little ba- a bit of backlash or... or Whatever it is, from all the winning that goes on in that town, is the rest of the hockey world just sick of seeing Boston teams win? Are you getting any of that feeling, Hags? Well, I think there's definitely an element of, and we've talked about this before, right, uh, Bob, with the, the whole uh, yes. the whole mass hole phenomenon. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, Ryan Whitney and, and the kind of obnoxious Boston sports fans, and like, of course, I think people are tired of it, and people are, are tired of Boston sports fans uh, thumping their chest because they keep winning and in every single sport, and there's definitely an element of that. I mean, there's also, you know, just the natural element of, of you know, opposing fan bases that can't stand each other, but I, I think there's definitely some of that. But, like, I will say, like, going back to, to the Achari-Bozak trip, you know, getting hosed, whatever you want to call it, like, it's obvious the league felt like that uh, that, call, that uh, call was blown, too, by virtue of, you know, Chris Rooney and, and Gord Dwyer being the refs for Game 7 and Kelly Sutherland being in the witness protection program now uh, at this point and, you know, not, not being invited back to, to officiate that Game 7. So uh, I think the league know they screwed that one up and uh, they didn't have much recourse after that. You know, it happens to both teams, right? It, it, that was a big-time uh, moment for it to happen and the fact that it led right to a goal afterwards, I think, obviously made it look even worse. But... Isn't that par for the course, boys, for the conversation after the Stanley Cup playoff is over? It's just how many calls were blown, how many things the refs yes. missed. Yes, it's been how, how What needs to be done to fix all that stuff, whether it's replay, whether it's other things. I obviously don't want to open up the can of worms of replay for, like, missed calls on penalties and stuff like that. But it's clear to me that, you know, there's a lot of uh, thought and, and – uh, discussion and change that needs to happen based on the glaring mistakes that we saw in this postseason that affected games and shouldn't have. We got to run here, Joe. One one final one for you, though. Uh, just think, if Nazem Kadri doesn't melt down, <laughs> I, I, I mean this. I'm not convinced Boston gets past Toronto. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. I think it's fair. Uh, I think that was their toughest series to this point, for sure. I mean, they've run into a worthy opponent now at the end. That uh, and the Bruins have always had uh, the last couple seasons tough uh, times against big, strong, physical teams uh, like the Blues. So it, it makes sense that it's going to seven games and they've had a hard time with this Blues team. But like, yeah, it, they got pushed harder by Toronto in that first round than they did by anybody else. And it's the same old, same old, though, right? When the Bruins won the Cup in, in 2011, they almost didn't get past the Montreal Canadiens, and that was, you know, arguably the hardest series that they faced. Yeah. And it seems like, especially with the Bruins, those first-round opponents are the toughest ones for them. And once they get past them, they kind of get rolling a little bit. But, you know, th- th- there's also, let, Bob, let's be honest here, this is a, this is a kind of a one-shot deal, I think, for this Bruins team where the, the Red Sea parted for them with the Lightning going out, the Capitals going out, the Penguins going out, like all the big boys dropping out in the first round. Like It'll be a monumental disappointment if they don't win based on the pathway that opened up for them after the first round. Joe, always great having you on the show. Thanks for your time. Enjoy Game 7 tomorrow. You got it. See you, Bob. See you, Speck. All See you right. later. See you, Joe. You know what, Bob? Stanley Cup history is riddled, right? Uh, Chicago almost lost to Nashville in the first round. I forget what year it was they won the Cup. 
remember the orders in 90 with Winnipeg? Yeah. Almost lost. Down 3-1. Right? Down 3-1 and down 3-1 in Game 5. And they end up winning that series and winning the Cup. So l- sometimes your toughest series is early. It galvanizes the team. And away you go. Okay. Uh, Mark, uh, we got to work on uh, lining up some great guests for a pre-tape right after the show today, Brendan. So uh, on that note, uh, very quickly, we're going to go to this day in Oilers history. And, uh, wow, it was a good day for you brought this man's name up earlier on. So bring it, Brendan. What do you got? Yeah, back in 1980, Bob, the Oilers take Paul Coffey, 6th overall, Yari Curry, 69th overall, and Andy Moog, 132nd overall in the NHL entry draft. Of course, that helping to form one of the greatest dynasties in sports history. And that was Barry Fraser. Uh, Those first three years in the National Hockey League were off the charts. Speck, thank you for uh, pulling some extra time. Uh, Tomorrow's show is fluid, but all I'm going to tell you is we're working on some great guests. I'd like to thank Keith Gretzky for doing uh, today's show. Hacks with Hags, Joe Haggerty, along with Mark Spector, Spector and Stoffer for the horses and live racing. Thursday night, Saturday day, Sundays out at uh, Century Mile. Uh, Craig Simpson will join us on tomorrow's show. So too will Mark Edwards from HockeyProspect.com. Off to a global news weather traffic update. Cassandra Jodwan followed by the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News with Jalen Nye. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.